fellow grievers, today you have reached Season 2, Episode 16 of the Leftover Pieces Suicide Loss Conversations podcast. And today, I realized that we only have 10 more episodes in Season 2 before I wrap that up and prepare for Season 3. Time has really flown. When I actually look at the date, I realize that we are getting really close to the one-year anniversary of this podcast starting And when I think about that, it makes me feel several things. It makes me feel humbled. It makes me feel a little sad because, of course, I wish that there wasn't a need for this podcast. But it also makes me feel really grateful, grateful to have found community, to have connected with so many of you, and to have a place where my voice has a purpose, where conversations about suicide loss and grief and stigma and real human experience matters. Today is a down the rabbit hole solo mini episode in which I'm just going to be talking about something that I've been thinking a lot about lately with regards to grief and loss. But before I do that, I'm going to let you know just quickly that the final episode of the season at this point is scheduled for December 12th. So yep, that's 10 more episodes and season two will wrap and we will start season three on January 9th of 2022. So anyone that knows of anyone that might want to have a conversation for the podcast, or if you yourself have been thinking about it sometime soon, reach out to me and we will schedule a chat and see about having a conversation in season three. And as always, I always welcome and actually would love to have any of your thoughts on whether it's guests or topics you'd like to hear me talk about going forward. My DMs on Instagram are always open. You can also find me on my new website, at theleftoverpieces.com. And there's several ways through email and stuff to contact me there. So I would love to hear from anybody that has any feedback, whether it's constructive criticism or guest suggestions, whatever it is, I'm open to that. So I think I'm going to just dive down the rabbit hole and go into this kind of deep topic today. So how appropriate that it's down the rabbit hole. We're going to go a little deeper than I do sometimes, because I think it's the five year mark that's had me thinking so much about some of these kind of deeper thoughts lately. The five year anniversary of Alex's death was August 7th. And it honestly, just really caused me to pause and do a little bit more introspection and take a little bit more stock in where I've been and where I'm at now. So I've been thinking a lot lately about this grief journey, and I kind of want to skip over some of the superficial platitudes that we all put out there about finding pain from your purpose and growing from your grief and all of those things that we say. And I'm not saying that they're not genuine. I'm not trying to make them disingenuine, but there's something behind them, right? We say them for a reason. So I don't just want to say them. I want to go to a place where I can just honestly say that this journey is so hard. 
and we do not have to suffer to grieve. Let me say that again. We don't have to suffer to grieve. When I was having a conversation with Imogen Karn of the Good Morning Grief podcast recently, one of the things that I said when I was talking to her is what about if the battle that we have to win is in our mind? And I said that because I was thinking about people often say, well, how do you know that isn't just in your mind? When they're talking about lots of things, especially when they're talking about, you know, things that we think or things that we don't think or the guilt that we put on ourselves. And people are like, how do you know that's not just in your mind? And I just kind of all of a sudden had that thought come over me where I said to her, what if the battle to be won is just in our mind? And the reason I think it had really like punctuated meaning to me was that I've done so much work this year with my mind, with my subconscious mind, learning that our thoughts are our perception and our perception becomes our truth. And so much of what we're guided by is what's in our subconscious mind, not our awake conscious mind. About 20% of what we do is guided by our conscious mind, our awake, alert, making decisions, deciding to pick up the coffee, awake mind. About 80% of what we do and how we react and what we think comes from our subconscious mind that's been pre-programmed by life experiences, many of them before we had any control over our own environment, many of them when we were children. So before I go any further, I want to stop and be sure to address the fact that I'm not diminishing the pain from our loss. I'm also not saying it doesn't actually exist. Because for me, and I'm still a student of learning, I'm still a student of learning my own mind and the power of my mind and how it connects to my heart and all those things. And I'm going to guess I'll be learning that for the rest of my life. But does that mean I can decide not to be in pain or grief that I can just decide not to grieve anymore? And I don't think so. I don't think I can just decide not to grieve because the complication lies in the fact that the human experience gets in the way. We're not just a brain. We are what makes us human, which is we're a soul, we're a spirit. And in that soul and spirit is, I think, where our love lives, where the relationship lives, again, where the humanness lives. And I, for one, would never, ever in a million years want to get rid of the love. So therefore, there's a piece of that that the other side is that I'll never get rid of grief. I'll never get rid of grieving for Alex. But here's where five years in, I can tell you that I believe we can decide how to process our pain. We can decide how we want to recover and how we want to heal 
and how we want to live alongside of this grief successfully. Or we can decide to sit and dwell. We have all those choices. That's part of what I guess I'm saying is it's about being mindful. We can learn and practice mindfulness practices. That's honestly why I think they're called practices because it's something that we do for a long time. We can find intentional ways to be. We can find ways to set intentions that are good. We can surround ourselves with loving, supportive people. We can choose to draw boundaries and guard our emotional health and treat it like the precious commodity that it is. Instead of allowing ourselves, like many of us do, to not draw those boundaries and to live in unhealthy places and spaces and relationships that may no longer serve us, some of which comes from our loss and grief. So if grief is born from love and the absence of our person being here is what's causing us the pain, I guess I'm, I've asked myself the question is why is grief so painful or maybe so hard? Why do we let it be so hard? Because, and yeah, I said that and I said it to myself, why have I let this be so hard? And I think some of it is because of the guilt. I mean, guilt's a huge one. It's, it's like huge. It's a giant monster in the room. I'll propose to you that for me, I was probably afraid of letting go, meaning letting go of Alex. So if I am not in all of the pain and this isn't that hard, then does that mean I'm diminishing his importance or even his existence, not only to me, but in life in general? Do we feel like we owe them suffering? I would say the answer to that is probably yes, for the most part, and especially in the early days. And here's what I'm not going to do. I'm not going to take away from what I feel like is almost a ritualistic rite of passage and a way of feeling the humanness of the loss experience. And I'm not even going to take away from anything that we feel in the first year or don't feel in the first year. Because I think that cultures across the globe for as long as humans have been around have recognized the importance of the grieving process, especially in the the months and days and weeks that pass after our loved one has died. We need to go through those practices and we need to do those things. But what I'm addressing is actually this greater suffering that goes on beyond the pale. And again, I'm not saying that we should get over the grief in a year and move on because no, it's not a thing. It's not a thing to get over grieving. But what I will tell you is that my view of grieving is evolving and it's evolved to the place of realizing that grieving can still look like a happy, healthy person that is also grieving. 
that is affected by the loss of her son that has been transformed and changed and refined by not only the loss of my son, but by the life that he lived. And I won't tell you that this stuff is easy. It is about making conscious choices. It is about doing things to change programmed thoughts. So I think we can have both grief and joy or peace, however you want to make it look. I believe that they, our loved ones, my son, your loved one, were as important as they were, as they still are to us. And we can find healing and peace in this life still. I believe that the destruction and the pain and the suffering is when we go on autopilot. When we let our subconscious just do what it does. For most of us, that's where our self-doubt lives. That's where our shame is. That's where guilt and defeat live. And we have to replace those thoughts, which means we have to choose to work on that. And you know by now, if you've been listening to this podcast at all, that I don't just want to leave things here and say, okay, there you go. Good luck with that. I want to at least offer a few thoughts on how you do this. So for me, when I decided to choose to chase joy, to chase peace, because that's really what I'm still doing is choosing to chase those things. And most days I win. Most days they're in my grasp. Some days they're not because I'm human. But the ways that I go about doing that are a lot of the things that I've talked about over the last year. I journal and I read and I listen to audiobooks and I listen to podcasts and I surround myself with the knowledge and the power that I want to take in in order to affect a better life for myself, in order to create a better reality and reprogram the destructive patterns of my subconscious. And part of that for me has been enrolling in a coaching program so that I could move forward and finding the tools that I need in order to work effectively and positively with my subconscious mind. And in speaking, like I often do about whole body health, that means I've also learned to put the motion back in emotion, to have movement practices in my life, to have ways to process things through my body, to work with my energy centers. And in order to allow the grief and the pain that I've stored in there to move out, and to be no longer stuck where it once was. And for me, still, one of the most powerful tools that I have in my toolbox is a community of other loss survivors, of other people that have experienced trauma on the level that I have. And I don't even know quite how to say this in any way other than I realize that this is the new community that I live in. 
It's not a community that I'm going to visit and leave and go back to the way I was before and the communities that existed for me before. Because before is gone. I'm now living in the after. The after my son died. And sometimes a lot of the battle is won in just accepting our circumstances for what they are finding a supportive, like-minded community to be a part of and learning to thrive there, learning to live the best life that we can there. And I will tell you, again, I know I've said it before, but I don't diminish how hard this is, how hard it is to accept the reality and to then accept that you can find happiness in your current reality. It's hard. But I'm here to tell you that beyond all odds that I thought existed at one point several years back, it is possible. It is worth all of the hard work. And I know that if I did this, you can too. Or maybe I should say that I know if I'm doing this, you can too. Because I'm definitely still a work in progress. But together, hand in hand, heart to heart, I honestly believe that our power lies together. So I'll wrap this up today with a quote from Anthon St. Martin that I found online that just really resonates with today's message. He says, we create our consciousness, what we think about, pay attention to, focus on, and choose to believe. Whatever goes on in our mind becomes our reality. Grievers, it is my hope that from today you will take that which serves you and simply leave the rest. If you connect with what you have heard, please subscribe to get notified of my new episodes every week, and please feel free to share it with others in the suicide loss community. If you are so led, I would also be honored if you would leave a review so that others might find us more easily. You can find me and always to connect with me at my Instagram, The Leftover Pieces. I want you to know that I know how very, very hard life is now. It's true that we will never be the same, but we are going to be okay. We will figure this out somehow, together, and we will keep our loved ones with us because there is no getting over or past grief, only learning to live more gracefully alongside it. Only through talk can we keep their memories alive learn to live again, and bring some awareness so that less will suffer. Join me again next week, and we will keep the talk going. We will sign off today, as always, with the wise words of my Alex's favorite, Peter Pan. Never say goodbye, because goodbye means going away, and going away means forgetting. Grievers, no one here is forgetting. Talk soon.